Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Australia loses one of its great motorsport promoters as the series heads to WA. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here is the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Mick Ronk, one of the motorsport's most influential promoters, passed away this week. Tributes have been flowing in from all sectors of the sport. The thoughts from all the team here at the V8 Insiders are with partner Heather and his family. Garthander heads back to his home in WA. And while the Perth driver will have a full load of media commitments, his commitment to succeeding this weekend has never been higher, with the event being his 200th start. Norton 360 Racing Team has finalised its endurance lineup for season 2013. Dunlop Series drivers Taz Douglas and Daniel Gaunt will be joining James Moffat and Michael Caruso for the three endurance races later this season. And finally, Tim Blanchard has had an interesting start to the season. We caught up with him ahead of this weekend's event. Yeah, plenty, plenty of things happening at DJR at the moment, so uh, plenty to be excited about. And it's no, no real secret we had a pretty, uh, quite, uh, no great off, off season. So it's great to have some good news and Chaz coming towards the team and a lot more support from Sport Performance Racing about our technical lines. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, Shell increasing their involvement with the team. It's just yeah, pretty exciting times at DJR at the moment. For yourself, starting this year in the main game is a big advantage in a lot of ways because everyone's got the same car. But with all the turmoil that the team's been facing off the track, that has to have had some impact on the focus of everyone in and around the team trying to get everything ready for you. Uh, yeah, it's made it a bit more difficult. hasn't hasn't been ideal. You know, with the focus being on getting the funding instead of uh, putting the car together. So you know, we it's. It's not the, not the best way to do it, unfortunately, but that's what the boat, boat we're in, and a lot of other teams are in a similar situation. It just requires managing the situation as best you can, and I think we've done a, done a pretty good job to get where we are so far, and you know, I think it's, it's all starting to come together now. Have you seen an attitude shift and a bit more hope being generated by everyone in and around you when you go into the race shop and, and you hear about all these extra things that are starting to fall in place? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think at the beginning of the year, you know, you read some newspapers that said DJR wasn't even going to be around in, in May. So 
it's uh, May now and we're, we're still here. So I think the guys, are, you know, every time, every week they go into the workshop, there's new stickers on the car and new liveries and more, more stuff happening. So they're kind of getting, getting excited because they kind of see there is a future within DJR now and it's not not a team that's just on the brink. It's, it's still a long way to go, but, uh, you know, there, there is some hope that it's, you know, we, we can still be a successful team once again. Mm-hmm. Now, for yourself, how are you finding your feet in the V8 Supercar Series? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a massive step up from the Dunlop Series. I was lucky enough to uh, a few rounds last year with uh, Kelly Racing after Todd Kelly injured himself. So I had a bit of, bit of an idea coming into the season what, what the level is, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's just incredibly difficult and... Um, you know, I think people underestimate how, how tough the Vestia Car Series is and the, the depth of competition. You know, it's not many championships you can go to in the in the world where if you're half a second off the pace, you're going to be in 20-something. So most championships around the world, if you're half a second off the pace, you'll be in the top 10 comfortably. So, um, yeah, it's just such a good championship at the moment. Mm, obviously, when you know that you're in a team that's struggling, you have to set some goals that are more like eating the elephant piece by piece rather than saying you want to eat the elephant, which, of course, is success and race wins. So what pieces have you been focusing on over your first, what is it, four events now? Uh, yeah, to begin the season with, it was just just about reliability. You know, we had pretty much just threw the car together at the last, last minute due to a few off-track issues and um, yeah so it was kind of last ditch effort to get the car together so for the first few rounds it was just a matter of trying to get to the end of the races and we knew if we finished races we'd get a few points to start the season off so um, that that was the goal goal from then and you know, now we've kind of got Chaz on board and with that an increased involvement with SPR and now it's about you know building on that base and trying to build a faster car instead of just a reliable car and are you feeling that? And when you do your testing and and have your practice sessions, are you seeing that improvement? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think at the um, you know first two or three rounds of the Grand Prix, Clipsville, Tassie will, you know, bottom in the bottom five cars on the grid, and that's kind of where where we were, and that's about where we were on pace. Whereas New Zealand, I think we showed a fair bit of improvement. We kind of changed our position a little bit and. Um, we kind of got started moving up towards the midfield around you know top 15 on Saturday, and um, we just didn't have a great qualifying session on Sunday. But you know the pace was still still there, so I think kind of moved ourselves into a bit more competitive place. Although that's one race meeting, so now we've got to try and just make that make that the norm going forward. Well, we look forward to seeing how things progress this weekend over there in Barbagello. And Tim, thanks for your time here on the Vant Insiders. No problem. Thank you. My thanks to Tim Blanchard there. The latest edition of V8X magazine is now available. You can find it in stores and online in the mag store for an iPod edition. That's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars.
Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week is the voice of the Bahrain Grand Prix. That's really the English voice of the Bahrain Grand Prix, I guess, Paul Marinelli. Hello there, Craig. How are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, am I right? You're the English voice because there is an Arab voice that works with you? Yeah, correct. You, you always work, work alongside an Arabic commentator and, uh, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and the voice of everything else left in Australia is pretty much Richard Kral. And, uh, Crowley, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Craig. G'day, Paul. I hope we're all doing well. Well, we are with uh, Perth coming up this weekend. It's been saddened by the news this week of the passing of Mick Ronk. And uh, Mick Ronk, Paul, was an amazing promoter. He uh, was not afraid of going out there and going alone. Uh, At times, he's had tremendous fights with the establishment, but he's always done it from his heart, and because he wanted to try and improve the lot of motor racing in Australia. Yeah, absolutely, Craig. I, I was fortunate enough to, or have been fortunate enough to work closely with uh, with Mick, uh, promoting a number of the V8 Supercar rounds held there and other major events at the venue. And, um, you know, it, it, I still can't believe it. You know, he's such a strong, strong guy, such a big guy with such a strong presence. They used to call him the voice of God, you know, when he when he bring people like, why is this five minutes later? Why isn't this done? Or, you know, whatever. He was so meticulous. And um, But you're right. It was all from the heart. A true racer, you know, very, very few people that we can say in the business that truly have motorsport in their heart and running through their veins. And he was certainly one of them. And you're right. They tried to break him so many times. It's not funny. I mean, even as recently as last year, the Benalla City Council were trying to shut him down. Um, just ridiculous, you know. But luckily, you know, he's made a lot of comments, uh, a lot of great contacts through the years, some of which in federal government, who made sure that uh, they couldn't touch his venue and uh, uh, would stop uh, hassling him from running motor racing events at uh, Winton Motor Raceway and then later, of course, at, at Wakefield. But, you know, you've got to think he started at Winton when he was something, uh, I think, 17 or 18 years of age through to now. You know, it's more than five decades of work turned it into a multi-million dollar business not not you know not just a small recreational type racetrack that makes a bit of money it's a multi-million dollar business and then was able to acquire Wakefield Park and do the same magic there as well and not to mention also the AASA um, <clears throat> you know he brought in a viable alternative to CAMS for licensing of events made it much more affordable for grassroots motorsport and you know something like 1500 sanctioned AASA events per year now you know, from nothing, what, something like 10 years ago. So, you know, he was a visionary. He was an, a great man. I loved working alongside him, and um, I'll miss him a lot, as I'm sure that uh, everybody involved in motorsport will. Mm, now, Crowley, you've had uh, your involvement with him as well. Yeah, well, my perspective comes from the Shannon's national side of things, and we only started going there in 2010 for the first time, and we've been there ever since. But I was chatting to Rob Kirkpatrick, who promotes the Shannon's nationals early today, and he said, the, the thing that he likes 
about Mick and working with him is that all Mick wanted to do was put on a really good race meeting. And I know Paul will agree with that. He yep. said all he wanted to do was rock up and have some cars go out and race and put on a good show and and all the politics and everything that be bugging in the background. It doesn't matter. Um, mm. Just wanted was about the motor racing, as Paul said. And, and I think that's probably the, the best legacy that he leaves um, uh, leaves the sport is that um, he was all about the motor racing first and everything else sort of just happened and he dealt with it in his own way. Um, and I think that's probably the, the really positive attribute that there's so many people bogged down in politics in this sport that it was so refreshing just to have someone there that, that wanted the racing to happen and would do what he could. And I saw a lot of stuff on social media today about, um, you know, the fact that Winston did those regular, or still does, do those regular Friday test days and they're very affordable. So you can go and test your car on a proper circuit and safe conditions with all the, the marshalling and everything that, that goes on with it for a couple of hundred bucks, where otherwise you'd have to go and hire an entire circuit for a couple of grand. So it's stuff like that that I think makes Winton so popular and the fact that it's a very accessible circuit to Melbourne and the biggest motorsport market in Australia probably helped that cause. But uh, yeah, sad day, quite, uh, quite surprising to, to read that when we got up in the morning. In fact, I was... Uh... I was amazed with the way that he was always able to turn negatives into positive. We all remember when Shanghai took the Winton date in the V8 supercars, but he kept plugging away. He kept hammering on the V8 supercars about, you've got to get this circuit back. It's an important track, not just in uh, in the scheme of teams tests there and, and everything else. It's an important track in having the entire country, but not just the capital cities. And, of course, as soon as Shanghai fell over, they went to Winton. That weekend, I think, was some of the best racing we saw. And it was a club event that had V8 supercars on it, Paul. Yeah, that's right. I I was going to bring up that example, and you beat me to it, because it's a classic of um, the fight that, that Mick put up to keep V8s at Winton. I don't think people are aware of just how bad they got. Um, you know, it, it, they were trying everything to take it out of the calendar and trying everything to stop them. But he always came up with the sanction fee, and believe me, it wasn't cheap. Uh, always ran a fantastic event. And then, yeah, when China fell off the radar all of a sudden for all sorts of other political uh, reasons, they came on their hands and knees begging him <laughs> to run the V8s on one of his club dates. <laughs> and and I, I'll never forget the phone call when he rang me. He was laughing his head off, and he just said, I said, I don't know if I can run you guys. I've got a club event that day. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but he did, and it was a resounding success. I think with one month notice, I think they had uh, to put yeah. it together. And it was just fantastic. And you know, we've all, you know, for me, I started the very first event I ever went to as a as a motorsport journal, if you like, was there at Winton back in 1990. And I, I remember meeting Mick and just thinking, you know, wow, this is, I didn't even know this place existed. Um, and then, of course, all the great drivers that have come through uh, starting, starting out at Winton. And, um, you know, it's just the, the rural, not only rural circuits, but these purpose built race circuits are a dying breed in Australia. You know, look what happened to Oran Park and, you know, so many other great tracks, Warwick Farm in Sydney, blah, blah, blah. Um, Winton, you know, it's always been there and it's survived and it hasn't been an easy run. Um, But because of his leadership, because of his business acumen, and as you said at the start, Craig, because he was willing to always fight and always, always get the right allies, get the right people together, get the club solidified, make the place profitable, get them in themselves into a position where, you know, no, you can't tell me I can't do this. I can do this because legally I, I can do it. And I've got the, you know, we've got the ability to run it and we do pull in great crowds and all the rest of it. And I think now 
you know, that every event that's held there, even from the, like a Shannon's Nationals perspective, um, club events and so forth are always well attended. Uh, the volunteers who work there, always the same crew for many, many years now, uh, celebrated their 50th anniversary a couple of years ago of, uh, of operations. You know, it's truly been an astounding story and uh, without me driving it, I doubt that that would still be there today. There's mm. no doubt about that. And of course, the, the question now turns to when the V8s do roll up there this year, what, you have to think, start thinking now about what they will do to mark his legacy because, as we mentioned, Richard, it's a tumultuous one, but ultimately it has been one that has been for the good of our supercars. And whenever they've had a problem, you just think last year when they had a problem, they had to get Sydney in, but they couldn't have two races in Sydney within a month. Who did they go to? They went to Winton yep. to swap their date. Yeah. Do you know, yep. oh, yeah, I, I agree. Do you know, I think the most positive thing you can say about... Mick Ronk and V8 supercars is that when you go to all of these rounds, Paul and I do, and, and, and you do as well, Craig, and, and you see all these tracks, I reckon there are two circuits left where the sport remains properly tribal. One of them's Mount Panorama, the other one's Winton. Yep. And, and it's where, where that Ford Holden stuff and the grassroots, raw, um, non-commercial, if you will, side of the sport still shows through. And there's people camping at the circuit and and it's that three-day festival where people go there for the weekend, they camp, they put their tents up with the Holden and Ford flags. And there are two places where that happens now, and it's back and it's Winton, and that's about it. Yeah. And yeah, I reckon right. that, that, that's the biggest positive out of the whole thing, I think, for Winton and Mick and V8 Supercars. I reckon that's, yeah. that's the best thing you can say, that that's been maintained. Um, as far as a tribute this year or, or how he's remembered when the V8s go there this year, the best thing is, Winton still promote the round. It's not a, a V8 Supercars promoted event, so they they can do whatever they want, and I think that's brilliant. And I hope they do something well, and I hope that it's supported by uh, by the people that, that rock up from V8 Supercars. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders, but uh, plenty more when we return. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I'm Alex on Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Paul Marinelli, who's just returned from the Bahrain Formula One Grand Prix. And uh, I've got to ask you, how has Bahrain developed since the V8s haven't been going there the last couple of years? I've got to tell you, um, there's a lot of people there that still miss it. Uh, the, the old Desert 400, as it was known, uh, lot, lots of people asking about it. They do get it on television there, so they, there's still a lot of fans. And uh, who knows, one day it might happen again. But uh, I think that... that uh, current attitudes have to change for that to happen that's another story altogether mm. but um the the event was unbelievably good um i feel very privileged that um uh, shake salman and his crew invite me over there every year and uh yeah had, had a great time I mean, it was a fantastic grand prix and uh, aside from that just just to be involved in such a big event in the middle east and to see uh, all the new programs that they've put together in terms of the city yes it's changed a lot They've reclaimed heaps more land. There's heaps more skyscrapers. Every time I go there, it's, 
it's just amazing just just how how much that part of the world is developing. Um, but but the actual circuit is better than ever. They've set up their own Formula Middle East series now to try and and develop young talent from the region, and they're the old Formula BMW cars. So they have their own open wheeler series there now. And um, that was very good. They ran during the Grand Prix. GP2 just blew my mind. I mean, it's just amazing, the racing in that. In, in one of the races, Sam Bird, who's the uh, Mercedes-AMG Petronas test driver, won by eight ten-thousandths of a second. So <laughs> it gives you an idea of how close it is. And uh, fantastic racing. And then, of course, F1. And all the entertainment they had on it was just, just brilliant. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I feel very privileged, privileged to be able to go there and... Uh, and continue my ties with the, the people of Bahrain. It's, it's always a lot of fun, and uh, looking forward to heading over there again for the World Endurance Championship in, um, in November. Mm. Now, also joining us is Richard Crowley. Crowley, you are, of course, uh, based right next to that uh, former supercar circuit, Winton. How is Winton holding up these days? Because, of course, the Nationals still go there. You're talking about Malala? Of course, yeah, Malala. I, I, I yeah, sorry. Got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. there's my one mistake for the show. I, I'm thinking, hang on, what's you on about? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, uh, no, I, unbeknownst to me, I've moved to central Victoria. Yeah, no, um, look, Malala, uh, Malala keeps keeping on, Craig. It's, it's a, I really like that place. And it, for me, Malala's probably a bit like um, Paul's relationship with Winton. I mean, that was the first racetrack I ever went to. Um, and I, you know, I was there in 97 when Brock retired and there was 30,000 people in there and we are four-hour traffic jam trying to get back. And so, look, the circuit goes long. Um, probably needs, it needs some love. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, the money's just not there to do it. But the place is booked solid and um, it's always being used. And Glenn keeps the, the, Glenn Smith, the owner, keeps the circuit itself in good condition. Um, and the facilities are still there. So, look, good place. I would... I would kill to have a V8 supercar race back there because I think it would be absolutely massive. The other, thing the other thing Malala's got going for it, Paul, is that it's got lights. So you run it Friday night, Saturday night, and a Saturday night 200k V8 race or whatever you want to do would be the biggest blockbuster in Adelaide for a long time. I've got to say, Crazy, I reckon that uh, Malala is one of the greatest circuits. We used to go there with the Formula Holdens, and my God, it was yeah. fast. It was so fast, yeah. and uh, and even the V8s. I can remember working with Glenn Seaton there, and uh, and um, yeah, we had some great times at Malala, and uh, I'm glad the circuit's ticking along well. And uh, gee, it would be nice for someone to pump a few million into that place because it would really give it what it needs to to run, you know, another major event. Mm. Of course, what would be uh, interesting to test the water is a night Casey Stoner Dunlop Series race because uh, you definitely yeah. got a draw card there that would yeah. drag people in and you don't have the overheads like you would have if you took the whole main game. Yeah, well, look, the, the standalone Malala and Wakefield Park used to be the two standalone yeah. CVS rounds of the year. And the Malala yeah. round, I went to all of them. I mean, we eight or 9,000 paying spectators on the, on the Sunday. So mm -hmm. it was a properly big, properly big thing. Um Oh, look, that, that would be amazing. You're getting me excited, Craig. I would, uh, I would be there as well for that. It would be amazing. I'll, I'll never understand, Craig and, uh, and uh, Craig and Craig. <laughs> I'll, uh, never, ever, I'll never understand why the, um, the, the, the standalone Dunlop Series rounds or Development Series, whatever you want to call it, where they're called off. I thought they were both incredibly successful. 
um, and w- well worthwhile. You know, I, I don't understand why that, that that concept didn't continue. My understanding, Paul, was they were trying to get the main game teams to put in cars, and the main game teams didn't want to have races where they were taking cars and they weren't taking their main cars. So that's my understanding of why it got uh, done. I am sure there are our friends at V8 Supercars who will ring me up and tell me I've got that completely wrong. But that is <laughs> you know, that is my memory of my inquiries yeah. previously. I, I, still think I, I think there was there was a, a case for, that it was expensive because you had to bring all the TV infrastructure and all of that stuff as well. Why wouldn't, if you're V8 and if you're Shannon's Nationals, why wouldn't you do a deal? Run a DVS yeah. round in conjunction with the Shannon's round and have the Kumo V8 Touring Car Series, which is going really well, by the way, yeah. Um, yeah. and have them do a V8 festival. It'd be brilliant. Everybody would win. Mm. See, what, what, what they need to understand is that it's all well and good to go for these big, major city, fantastic, huge, multi-million dollar events, but not all of them make money. And sometimes when you work on these little profitable little events as well, it all helps. And it actually makes the, the, those guys the stars of the show and gives them valid sponsor exposure rather than being a sideline act for something else, you know, and mm. I always thought, I only went to the Wakefield stand, no, no, I've been to the Malala standalone one as well years ago, and they were both brilliant, mm. absolutely brilliant, it's, it's a shame, because 2008 I think was the last one at Wakefield, and mm. um, that was tremendous, lots of people turned up as well for that. Yeah, I, I remember the first, the very first pro car race at uh, Wakefield Park, and the the crowd was the crowd trying to get into the racetrack was back to Goulburn past mm. the trains mm. well not past the train station but you guys know where I mean under the yeah. freeway yeah, yeah. and back towards the uh, train depot um, for anyone who hasn't been there I'm sorry about that you'll have to Google map it and see where I'm talking about <laughs> guys uh, we do have a race meeting coming up this weekend and it's over there at another country circuit I think we had Lachlan Mansell on the show saying. Uh, last week, there was only something like 16 permanent race venues left in Australia. Of course, Barbagello mm. is one of them. And coming from Western Australia, Garth Tander is fittingly having his 200th start this weekend. Now, of course, that gets clouded in. Is it its 200th event? Is it its 200th <laughs> round? Is it 200th race? I can't well, you, keep you up can with thank, it. You can thank a former V8 Supercar CEO for that mess. But anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Isn't he the one that's now in Bahrain? Do you, do you want to be CEO of um, the Ed Supercars, Craig? Well, could I do a worse job? <laughs> I don't think you could. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Trailer and I'll run a ticket. All, that whole number of rounds, number of races that have wrecked all our record books for good now, because they all practically don't make sense, um, was because one particular person couldn't get the idea that you had one winner of a round, that you had to have a separate winner of each race. And that was a CEO that wasn't even in the job for, I think, for nine months. Oh, okay. That that was Cameron, was it? That's right. And that's why why we're in this position now and no one's ever bothered to change it. And you know what? It's just ridiculous. But anyway, Mm. such is life. Such is life. 200 rounds of gas. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Crayley, do we think we're going to see a change in fortunes, i.e., a top step of the podium for Tanda? Well, look, you wouldn't bet against it, would you? I mean, I think we'd all agree, despite various allegiances, and I've got mine and Paul's got his and you've got yours, but 
that, that Garth remains one of the top five touring car drivers in the series. He's probably one of the top ten touring car drivers anywhere in the world at this stage. And he remains one of the greats of our sport. He's one of the biggest names. And on form this year, HRT are closer than they've been for the last two years to actually crack one, aren't they? So if, if he's going to do it anywhere, the, the way that our operates and the way that it brings up these incredible stories every now and then, he's just as likely to go and win his 200th start, isn't he? I mean, it's just the way, the wacky way that the sport works. And look, the, the different number of winners, what is it, seven from nine races so far or, or something like that? I mean, it, it's going to be open all season and why not Holden Racing Team winning? They're closer than they've been. Barbagello is one of those tracks that throws up unpredictable results because it's tight, demanding and has different characteristics to other circuits, traditionally lowish grip, although it's better since they resurfaced it. So, I mean, HRT may get there and they may be 21st, but they may get there and they may be first and second in qualifying and, and GT mm. may well go and win it. I mean, that, the best thing about the sport this year is that it's so open and we legitimately can't say, oh, it's going to be a Triple Eight or an FPR car. It could be mm. them, it could be Brad Jones, it could be anybody. So, mm. look, why not? Let's say he's going to win. Why not? Absolutely. Mm. And ditto to, uh, to uh, Richard's comments about um, Garth. I agree, he's one of the top ten, if not the higher uh, drivers that we've ever had in the series. Uh, wonderful to have a driver from Western Australia who's been so successful. And a shame yeah. that HRT went into such a lull for such a long time. And one of the greatest things about New Zealand was seeing HRT up there again because really the sport needs the factory Holden racing team to be up there. You know, it's a, yeah. a very important part of the whole show and the whole tribal rivalry, even though we've got other makes now, there's still that huge supporter base for Holden and Ford. And if you don't have one up there, you know, it certainly makes life um, less interesting. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I'd like to see them do well in Perth. I see no reason why they can't continue their form. And I think that they'd be counting their lucky stars that Car of the Future came when it did because, yeah. gee, they were going badly. Mm. You speak about Garth Tander yeah, and, and, I mean, I'm I'm biggest Craig Lamb fan around and, and I look back at Bathurst a couple of years ago when when Garth and Nick Perkett won the race and, and Craig Lamb's stint at the end, catching him relentlessly, chasing him down, generally hailed as one of the great stints ever at that joint. Yeah. And yeah. it, it's kind of sad that GT's defensive drive to hold on in that pressure is sort of overlooked by the heroics yeah. that Craig Lowndes did. But, but that drive in a car that probably shouldn't have won the race, yeah. um, that's sort of the epitome of, of how good a driver GT is. So, mm. look, he's good for the sport. And, and as you said, Paul, I mean, a HRT victory right now would be the best thing for V8 supercars because it's still the sport's biggest team. There's no doubt. Well, we, we need to throw another break in here. We'll come back with a white flag lap because there's plenty more to talk about here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel still with Paul Marinelli and also Richard Crowell. 
on the Fuji 2 white flag lap. And guys, I guess with Perth, a couple of changes that we're seeing. We're going to see Chaz Mostert in the Dick Johnson Racing number 18 replacing Johnny Reed. And we'll see Tim Blanchard jumping on board with, uh, or backing on board a number 17 with Shell on the car. Two good signs potentially for DJR, Paul. Do you think that's going to be able to boost them and give them the slingshot they need? Oh, well, you know, I think a, a heap of pressure is going to be thrown on Chaz um, at this round. And, you know, he is a good driver, but obviously he has to take account of where he is in terms of experience compared to the other guys in the field. Now, um, I think that if he can manage to finish races and get in that top 20, he's done a, a superb job. You know, if, he, if he's aiming, and I know personally he'd be aiming higher than that, but this is a completely different league to what he's used to, and uh, he's going to have to take his time and, and find his footing. Whether the cars are good enough for the job, I don't know. That's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a question mark at the moment, but I think that with Chaz on board, they've got uh, quite a bit of support out of FDR, and that's going to help them no end. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think also that um, Tim Blanchard, you know, he's doing a solid job at the moment, but again, it, it is always a struggle in your first season. So I think it's very difficult for, for new drivers to come in with the level of competition uh, the way it is, with the cars being now even more closely matched than they were before, to expect new drivers to come and do miracles. And this is where Scott, Scott McLaughlin has been uh, uh, unbelievable. Um, because that is just very, very rare to do what he's done. So, you know, um, let's, see, let's see what they can do. Hopefully that team, uh, bit by bit, gets its finances in order and uh, and stays that way because it's certainly been a mess for a long time. Mm, Richard, the, the question is, an FPR satellite driver, if you like, is this some sign that uh, perhaps FPR, who supplied a lot of the uh, kit for Dick Johnson Racing, might be working some bills out in a roundabout way? Oh, look, it's highly likely. And the bottom line is we're probably never going to know whether this is a revenue, you know, exchange in a way. Like, okay, well, we can't afford to pay you. Why don't we put your gun development driver in a ride for the rest of the year? Uh, uh, we, we just don't know. And, and yeah. we're never going to know. And, and that's that's their business. It's, it's private enterprise. They don't have to tell us. I'm sure there'll be rumours and innuendo around. There already is. Bottom line is... It's probably good in a way because we're not getting a pay driver or someone who's just bringing the bulk load of sponsorship. What we're getting is a bona fide, young, fantastic talent that we know Chaz is. He's a great young driver. We've seen what he's doing in DVS. FPR's right behind him. So we're getting a, a guy that could be in our sport for the next 15 years and could be the next Frosty Winterbottom or Will Davison for Ford or whoever. So I, I think that's the positive out of it. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him for sure. The other thing I wanted to pose, Dick Johnson Racing hasn't got this much media exposure and general coverage and general talk since James Courtney won the championship in 2010. If you're Shell and you're going, oh, we might just whack our logo on the rear flanks of number 17 again just to see what it's like, that is a very, very canny sponsorship move on their behalf because Hmm. even if the cars are 27th and 28th, They've been talked about all year, and I reckon it's um, I reckon it's a good toy by Shell, and I, I well done to whoever decided to do that from um, from their marketing department because uh, I reckon that's probably a pretty good value sponsorship that's got going on there. And I, look, it'd be great if they could keep going with it. Of course. Uh we talked about a few people on the rise, and the man who's on the biggest rise, of course, Scott McLaughlin. He's been fantastic. 
so disappointing that the DNFs dropped him down to the bottom of the top 10 when he'd been running right towards the top five for the first few rounds of the season. But who else, Paul, have you noticed this year? Well, look, there's been a lot of, a lot of good drivers, but he, he has stood out as being, you know, someone who won't be intimidated, someone who drives extremely well. Um, and, yeah, he gets out there and gets the job done. And it's sort of a bit surprising when you see him uh, on telly and stuff and, and the way you, know, it, you could see it's still just a young guy getting in there and doing what he does. But what I like the most about that is it shows that Gary Rogers, when he puts his mind to putting young guys, good, fast young guys in the car, which he hasn't done for a little while now, it actually works brilliantly. And this is what he's always been good at, which is why I couldn't understand what had been going on there in recent years when they, they really weren't following that theory uh, much. Uh, they stuck with the same two for, for an, a period of time. And not that they were bad or anything, but, but you know, and then when he went for Prema instead of a young guy, I sort of thought, oh, what's going on here? Um, and now he's done it again, and look what's happened, you know. So it, it just shows that it's a perfect place for someone who's got some talent to really show what they can do. Uh, in terms of other drivers, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, you've got to think of the hard luck Frosty's had this year. I mean, you know, it really, seriously, uh, I, you know, you just got to wonder what this guy's done. I mean, <laughs> he's always one of the fastest guys out there, yet the result <laughs> doesn't tend to show. And uh, hopefully that changes during the year. But all the guys at the front end, Wink Up, you know, look, Triple Eight having a bit of a, a, you could say a little bit of a blip in their sort of, usual perfect performances but but they'll be back stronger and, and better than ever good for the racing but you know you've got to you know it'd be very frustrating for the drivers that's for sure but uh, but you know they've had a long time where they've had <laughs> they haven't had too many problems so um yeah. you know it's just good to see everyone out there and having a shot i'm really impressed with nissan i think the job the kelly boys have done and caruso and moffat um in those brand new cars has been nothing short of exceptional uh, the, the sort of the, the sort of performances they're putting in just so early in their first season really makes me shudder to think what they're capable of in the years to come. And, and Nismo and their, their import has been nothing short of incredible. They're just constantly working on on engine development and changes to the, the design of the car, to the balance of the car, to, to make it better. And sure, they've had a couple of reliability issues, but generally, when when they're on the pace, they're right up there. So it's. Um, very impressive to see. So keep your eye on the Kelly boys. Mm. What about you, Richard? Uh, hasn't James Moffat been impressive this year? Um, yeah, very much. All of his, yeah, he's shown all of his customary sort of flair and aggression that we know he's got, but he's converted it this year in, in a new car to do it in a new environment as well. I think it's been super impressive. Uh, so I agree with that. I think Lee Holdsworth has driven exceptionally well this year in the mm. I think... Uh, you know, he's batting way above where that car's average has been so far and, and you know, hauled that thing inside the top 20 and qualifying a couple of times at Pukekohe and did the same at Simmons, I think, despite all the dramas. And, I mean, that's, that's been super impressive. In situations like that, as you guys will know, in a bad car, or not a bad car, but a, a car that's not doing what it's supposed to do, that's where the really good drivers showcase what they're made of. And the drivers that have got that last little half a percent that makes them great do that. Yeah. I think Lee Holdsworth's really shown that this year, and, and that's been really great to watch. Um, Will Davison, I thought, has been really good on the other side of the FPR garage, and just, just by stealth, he finds himself at the top of the standings, so that's that's been very impressive, but I mean, my highlight of the year so far has been Brad Jones Racing, and I mean, what a fantastic story. What a great result for a great bunch of people in a small, hard-working team, and we all know how great Jason Bright is as a driver, and he's delivered over the years, but 
there was sort of a, I think there was a time there we're all going, oh, well, you know, maybe is it time? Is, is it time for JB to go somewhere else? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, is he past it? And, and you ask that question of every driver, but didn't he answer that fairly euphorically in um, in New Zealand? It's a big uh, no, sir. And Fabian Coulthard's back to where he was. Remember that great year he had with Paul Crookshank in the Ford and punched yeah. way above his weight, and he's just picked up from that after a couple of tough years with Wilkinshaw. And man, he's doing a good job. So. That's, that's my favourite story of the year, only because Paul's already said Scott McLaughlin, which is, which is just an amazing year. Okay. And look, I did add to that. I've worked with Jason closely, and, and you know how superb a driver he really is. But when yeah. you when you see that performance there, you're just like, hey, you know. I, I always had this saying, I don't think any driver forgets how to drive fast. You know, when people no. say, oh, oh, they've lost it. They, no, it's the equipment they've got. You know, the guys were this good. Um, do not forget how to drive quick and how to win races. It's just the series is that close that if you're not on top of your game, you're nowhere. And um, it's something, yeah, it's something. Sorry to interrupt, but it's something that our sport doesn't do a good enough job of explaining to the the every fan that, that yeah. doesn't understand why all of a sudden Craig Lands is qualifying twentieth or Jason Bright's qualifying twentieth when how come he was winning championships a few years ago? Yeah, um, yeah. they just. It's so hard to explain why a minute difference from one car to another can be the difference between qualifying first and last. Mm. Yeah, or, or crashing out of one round and getting no points, and that's it, your championship's gone. Mm. Um, you know, things like that. It's just so little in it. And the, the, you're right about Brad Jones Racing. They've always had the personnel and the expertise to do it. The car of the future, through, through you know, this is my theory in terms of bringing everyone to the exact same componentry and the exact same setup has actually worked very much in their favour and uh, and to a number of other teams' favour as well. But uh, as you say with Lee, you know, uh, you know that car is not where it needs to be, but the, the performances behind the wheel have been extraordinary. And uh, um, I think we're going to see a lot of different winners this year, and I think the Brad Jones racing now, if they just keep accumulating points, will be right up there at the end of the year as well. Mm. Well, guys, we, we're going to have to wrap it up. Paul Marinelli, who's going to win in Perth? Oh, look, you know, only because he's had such hard luck, I'm going to go for Frosty. Um, but uh, who knows what could happen. It could be anybody. All right, Richard, you are the guru at the, uh, I was about to say oh. footy tipping, but it's the supercar tipping. Pressure. No, no guru at footy tipping this year. My team's going horribly. Um, <laughs> oh, pressure, pressure. You get one tip right, and it was for a kind of big race. And It was uh, a trifecta, my friend. Oh, yeah, I wish i put some money on it, eh? Um <laughs> No, look, I, I'm going to go Gartander. I, I think um, I think he will win one of the races in Perth this weekend. That's my tip. Uh, I, I don't know who else will be up there, but I think GT, why not? 200 start. Yeah, well, nice to see him do it at home too. Thanks very much, Paul, for joining us once again on V8 Insiders. My pleasure, thank you. And also to Richard Grail. Thanks, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.